Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases. The content may be triggering or inappropriate for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel. And I'm Amber. And this week we are kicking off what we're calling Dirty Stash Week. So good. So good. We're going to cover two cases of with men who had dirty... Dirty stashes. Dirty stashes. <laughs> My case today, actually, he was described as having a large mustachio quite I, I often. Like okay. And from the pictures that I can see... There was some bacteria up in that bitch, for sure. <laughs> not keeping that, was, that stash groomed very well. He was not keeping it clean, that's for sure. He definitely had a dirty mm. stash. They and, can be a haven for germs if you're not careful. Haven. Good word. That's, Thank you. That's exactly what was happening. And for whatever reason, both of my cases for this theme come to us from Columbia. That was oh. actually just ironic. I didn't do that on purpose. Columbia Dirty Stash. The Colombian Dirty Stash. Yep. yep. They're actually the top two most prolific serial killers in Colombian history. Oh, wow. Okay, so, so these are going to be bad. Yes. These are listen-while-you-can-drink cases, mm-hmm. um, but as we always do here, we keep it light and airy, so if you're just doing a shitty chore like folding laundry and you can't drink, then... Or maybe drinking is not even your maybe thing. Maybe wait. That's yeah. cool, too. Well, if you give me a dirty stash, I will give you the jokes. So we'll try. We'll try to keep it light. <laughs> we'll try to keep it light. But they, these two people are really horrible. So today, who we're going to cover, he goes by Louis Gattavito. He confessed to killing 140 boys between the ages of 8 to 16. Okay, so I immediately hate him. Mm-hmm. But his death total is actually thought to be well over 300. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Before we really begin about that, it's important that I, for this case, that I lay the scene for you. Okay. Picture it. Sicily, 1929. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Sophia. (laughs) I love the Golden Girls. Me too. Like I said, this case takes place in Colombia, South America, between the years of 1992 and 1999. Now, Colombia has been in a decades-long civil war that started in 1964. Over the death of a political leader that actually happened in 1948. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay, so they continued battling <laughs> over this death. Basically, they or... they're in a civil war. They are pissed about this leader dude who died in 1948. So by 1964, they started a civil war. Mm. They're still in it today. Wow. Yeah. Over this one guy this, dying. Yes. This. Um, Do they ever stop and they're like, wait, why are we fighting again? Oh. Right. Oh, and right. another Dude. thing. Yeah. Like, the, I, I don't want to. I mean, I can't they imagine keep, how They leave the room and then come back. Yeah. Like, with, and one more yes, thing. That's basically what's going on. But it's between the government and the far left guerrilla groups. Okay. And there's some other groups as well, but I'm not going to get into like super depth detail because, again, we're not a political podcast. But. I mean, either way, it's horrible. It's it's not as violent today as oh, it was back then, but it's still not great there. They are much closer to a peace deal 
from what I understand, than they were in the 90s. Okay. Okay. Uh, so here we are in 2021, and they're still fighting over a dead guy from 1948. Yeah, t- take your time, no rush. <laughs> it's just the people suffering right, that live exactly. there. Exactly. Okay. And the the reason that I mention all this is because the turmoil that was happening at the time laid the perfect cover for Louis Gattavito to become one of the world's most prolific serial killers. And yes, there really is a world record for this. I am astonished by that piece of information. Uh-huh. To me, a world record is an honor. Right. People will go days doing whatever they do, like the eating largest, hot dogs. Yes, eating hot dogs, <laughs> growing their nails out for oh, years. God. Disgusting. You stop it. Stop so it. I'm gross. Vomit. We so can't talk gross. about that. What? The largest ball of twine. That shit is work. And you, yes, and you then you throw in serial should killer. Should not be able to have a world a world record but for that. But they do have world records for natural disasters, and those kill hundreds of people too. So that's I don't true. Know. It's just weird. To the me. lady with the world record for nails got in a, a car wreck and like broke the nails, and she was devastated. And then someone else got the record. Random oh. tidbit. I just don't know why I shared that. But tell me more things but that you that's know. How Amber. serious? I have all kinds of <laughs> random stuff. I'll just throw it out there. I with like the it. podcast periodically. But at least now she can wipe her ass. Yes. Yes. Because they that. like curl. Yeah. We'll See? stop. We'll yeah, stop. I know. It reminds but me again, of the Wicked Witch of the West. On... Peop- oh, yeah. Yeah. Wizard of Oz. People work hard for those. I they just do. feel like it's insulting that he has that. Yep. Anyway. Yeah, there is a thing for it. Yep. Carry on. Now, Gattavito had a real crapshoot of a childhood, which probably surprises none of us. Mm, yeah. And we offer no excuses for this behavior, of course, as an adult. But we are going to acknowledge we're going to feel sorry for the child. Right. But not for the, the monster, monster human adult. But it does kind of show how his brain shaped for his worldview and sadistic behavior. His father was a severe alcoholic that physically abused his entire family. Gattavito is the oldest of seven children. He refuses to speak much about his family or his mother, but it is believed through interviews with other family members that his mother was a sex worker. Oh, Boy, we have gosh, a lot of these all things. All the time. And Gattavito was forced by his own father to watch his mother perform sexual and acts again. with her customers. Why is that a thing? It is such a thing, and it's so damaging, clearly. <sighs> oh, yeah. To these, well, mostly it's been young men. It has, yeah. yeah. Gattavito was sexually abused at a young age throughout his childhood by his, by friends of his father. But Garbido did not tell his father this because he didn't think that anyone would believe him. So basically, the scariest childhood that you could imagine is what he had. Mm -hmm. At age 11, he was forced by his father to drop out of school to help provide for the family. And by 12, he was molesting his younger siblings and started mutilating and torturing small animals. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. So red flags... Yep. You know, the making of a, a serial killer mm-hmm. all all there. Coming together beautifully yes. through the scope of his childhood. So this is where we can see the pleasure and pain start to fuse in his brain. This is important because when it is derived in childhood like this, it makes rehabilitation impossible. Mm-hmm. You don't rehabilitate from becoming a pedophile. Yeah. And yeah. from entangling pleasure and pain. There are obviously very consensuing there's a whole community of sexual fantasies that involve 
bondage and whipping and things like that, but it is done in a controlled, consensual environment. Yeah, there's a difference. different. Mm -hmm. And I just want to draw that line, A, because I don't want to offend any of our listeners, but also because it's important to know in the brain there is a a huge difference. According to a documentary, which I watch made by, by crime documentary films, Gattavito became a serious alcoholic himself, which isn't surprising, mm-hmm. and could not keep employment because of this. In 1984, he actually sought help for his alcoholism and was in psychiatric treatment for 30 days. Okay. However, during that treatment, he never spoke of his sexual sadism or his pedophilia for small boys that he knew was there. Okay. So he was there getting help, but he didn't really mm-hmm. disclose did those not, issues. He that, didn't. Okay. No, nope, he was only going to talk about the alcoholism. Mm-hmm. A New York Times article reported that God of Vito had a relationship with women, and they even had boys of their own, who, by all accounts, he never harmed or even tried to harm. Oh, wow. But he did travel all the time in search of work and even sent money back to these women. But in reality, he was actually traveling to commit his crimes. Wow. So he never harmed his own children, nope. but he was out there Or any children of, of a woman he was involved in. He had girlfriends. He traveled a lot. So this is kind of, not kind of, this is one of those cases where he had multiple girlfriends around the country who never knew about one another. Ah, okay. Yeah. In the beginning, he would use his lunch breaks from his odd jobs to coax boys off the street to rape and torture them. Mm. He liked to use razor blades, but at this point, he hadn't killed any of his victims. Okay. Still as disgusting, t- but... It is. And as we see with most of our serial killers, they have this fantasy, so they start acting on it. But at that point, it hasn't escalated to actual murder. It starts with the sexual per- perpetration first, then the torture, and then leads to murder. It does. Murder. It manifests itself because they're in a constant need of trying to meet the thrill of that fantasy. Crime documentary films had featured a forensic psychologist, Dr. Christy Kakunas, that spoke about how psychopathic, sadistic sexual tendencies escalate. She explained that at first in the mind, a fantasy, a fantasy is just that. It is perfect and makes someone feel a certain way. Then, when the person acts on that fantasy and the result was not as satisfactory as the fantasy itself, It has to be repeated over and over and changed to perfectly meet that fantasy. In Gattavito's case, just raping and torturing the boys was not enough. In order to gain the appropriate amount of pleasure that he was seeking from the experience, he had to escalate to the point of more sadistic mutilation, torture, and murder. It almost reminds me of, you know, in some way, like with addiction, you're just chasing that high all the time. It is to get that absolutely often with addiction, it's the first high you're chasing, but kind of the same mindset of like you're chasing that fantasy of that ultimate satisfaction. Yes, it does. And it releases the same hormones in the brain. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Then on October 2nd, 1992, Adavito's fantasy escalated to the point of murder. He was in Puera, which is actually where he had a girlfriend when he saw a teenage boy pass by a bar. He followed him. The boy's name was Juan Carlos. Juan's body was found three days later with signs of rape, torture, including missing his teeth, and mutilation of his genitals. Oh, that makes me so sad. These are a struggle for me. Mm -hmm. It is hard for me. Mm -hmm. Well, you can find a lot of really intimate details that I... I left out because Mm -hmm. these are children, as as we often do. I give you the basis of what you need to know 
of what his MO was and mutilation of genitals. That was kind of a thing that he took um, to doing. Yes, and then he escalated to the point where he would mutilate the genitals and leave them in his victim's mouth. Oh my god. So he was it was it turns out it was very easy to connect him with crimes because that is was what he left as a calling sign, essentially. Oh, I, would like I mean to, a calling card. Excuse I would me. like to wax his dirty stash like right off of his You face. don't even deserve a mustache man. No. Yeah. And you deserve a waxing. You do. Oh my gosh. Those are brutal. They, yes, they are. <laughs> Especially on your upper lips. <laughs> Anyone who's yeah. ever experienced it, it's it painful. So if you had a full stash, that would hurt so bad. Yep. yep. And I hope he doesn't even have soothing cream afterwards. No, he doesn't. No aloe for him. No. No aloe for you, sir. It's so horrible. So it was less than a week later and Gadavito killed again. Hmm. This time becoming more brutal and signs of, of increased torture. He would stab his victims with knives or screwdrivers in non-lethal ways in order to keep them alive but inflict pain. Just as Dr. Kahunas had said, he would continue to escalate until he perfected the fantasy. What really gets me is that locals in Purera had nicknamed him Tribalin, which is the word they use for the Disney character as we know as Goofy, because he was always with children being playful because and he seemed playful because he was always drunk oh and if anyone suspected anything they did not mention it so he's constantly having children around him constantly seen goofing off with these kids so people kind of were probably raising eyebrows like this guy's always got kids around or he's always like playing and if those kids went missing later they met they didn't say anything about the connection but he was always goofing off hence the uh Tribalin name mm-hmm. that they gave him as as Goofy, the Disney character, because he's goofing off with these kids. Goofy might be ruined for me now. I know. That's the, I thought the same thing when I yeah. was writing this. He is now known in Colombia as La Vista, which means the beast. That's better. To us. That's yep, more appropriate. exactly what he is. He had so many victims that it would be impossible for me to chronologically detail every one for you. Therefore, now that we've covered his first victim, I'm going to break down for you how investigators were able to take him down even though he committed murder across 70 different territories in the country that spanned hundreds of miles. But keep in mind, each time that victims were found, the crime scenes were being documented and investigations carried out by many different investigators, which can always cause problems. Mm -hmm. And the reason that I had mentioned the the country being in turmoil is that a lot of times, a lot of people were homeless. A lot of these children were transient children. So so they may not have been noticed as missing right away. As being gone, yes. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them when reported missing, were chalked up to the warfare that was going on. Okay. This is a serious war at this time. That makes sense because I was over here thinking, like, how did he get away with so many? How do 300 boys go missing and the country's not taking notice? And when was the, like, what was the span of the crimes? 92 to 99. Okay. So quite a long time. Yes. But they're in turmoil. The whole country's in turmoil. So nobody was. these kids are being reported missing. But the police and and graves are found. We're going to get into it in a second. So I'm going to answer some of those questions for you. But it takes 
that's the reason why I'm focusing now on the investigation because I want to show you how finally they're able to catch him uh-huh. because of the diligent work of investigators and being able to connect his MO, how he leaves his victims. I see. Okay. They did their due diligence to document the positions of the bodies, the location of the bodies, the physical characteristics of the victim's injuries, as well as paraphernalia left at the crime scene. From 92 to 99, murders were happening rapidly all over the country, and investigators were documenting things like they needed to be. Okay, Mm -hmm. it wasn't a case of, like, nobody cared. Mm -hmm. No one was documenting. They were doing their work. But it wasn't until much later when records were pulled from archives by investigators that they were able to connect the dots, see the patterns, and compare the crime scenes to see that they had a serial killer on the loose. According to crime documentary films, what would happen is that graves with remains of anywhere from 3 to 14 young boys would be recovered. And the thing is, these children were not buried, but were often just left in the thick brush and jungle that Colombia has to offer. Even in heavy populated areas, Colombia has 14 million citizens. So I would imagine most of it is heavily populated. However, the thickness of the landscape of Colombia would provide the the adequate cover needed for the beast to get away with his acts of terror. So because nobody was going into those areas, I'm assuming, because they were like thick brush or like woods or whatever. Yep. Um, so nobody not was heavily trafficked right areas like no one's they're going not, in there yeah for this isn't a garden yeah. yeah and I don't know if you know this but a, many 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 types of grasses that grow in jungles and whatnot are razor sharp oh, and yeah. that's why people take machetes to clear their way and okay. whatnot because okay. they will cut you we have some grass out around by our pool that is vicious cuts like a knife it's horrible i you can walk by it and it slices your arm oh yeah so i have to i know (laughs) i have to keep the bushes trimmed yeah yeah. trim those edges (laughs) otherwise someone may sue me for having a lawsuit on your hands over your grass from unruly grasses (laughs) okay so that makes sense he had hiding places that nobody was really going into or looking yeah so he knew he could get away with it but he wasn't super super intelligent Investigators were able to look and see that at the scene there was always the same brand of liquor found, and the victims were always bound with the same kind of ligature. Okay. And they had similar wounds, such as stab wounds, as well as having their throats cut nearly to the point of decapitation. Mm. So they could tell, they they figured out there was a trend with these boys and the murders that were happening. Yep. And, and like I mentioned earlier, not only with the stuff that I've, I've already mentioned, but the biggest MO for them was that he would cut off their genitals and put them in their mouths and leave them like that. Oh, he's so disgusting. But this helps the patterns to start sure. to emerge. Like, okay, clearly yep. there's a pattern. Yes. So even though these murders are happening many miles apart, investigators can conclude that this is the work of either the same group of people or the same, same person. person. Mm-hmm. In fact, when some of these scenes were first found, local investigators had chalked the crimes up to sadistic cults or organ trafficking, which unfortunately is a heavy yeah, situation. Yeah, you could wake up without a kidney. Yes. Yep. Or a liver or whatever. Yes. Due to the state of decomp many of the remains were in, the investigators had to work damn hard to try and identify the victims, especially since they could not use dental records either because many of these... Ch- this, these children were very poor. 
They didn't go to the dentist. Yeah, so they didn't have, no. like, the records of, right. of yep. the children on file. They were from mm. poverty-stricken families, yeah. Which may seem like it gives investigators nothing to go by, but really it tells them a lot. It tells them that these deaths are connected to the deaths of missing street children, which is another part of the killer's profiling system and another piece of the puzzle. How did they identify who they could? Because this was very fascinating to me. They used DNA extracted, extracted from the bones and used forensic reconstruction techniques when possible. Now, keep in mind that not all remains were intact enough, so there are still many, many unidentified victims today. Oh, wow. Well, because you many... can't find all the, the parts, mm -hmm. you know? That's so sad. So what they did was a forensic artist literally takes photos of a skull with a long lens so that it does not distort the skull in any way. And then the artist studies the image to recreate the person. It is a careful and painstakingly slow process. Clay is used to actually reconstruct the person until finished. Mm -hmm. And according to forensic artist Frank Bender from Crime Documentary Films, he said that he literally takes the photos of the skull and studies it so hard that he takes it everywhere with him when he's having breakfast in the morning when he's having coffee oh wow so he's like he's living not, and breathing these images he is he lives with the person when he's not engaged with another with I someone else it. when he's by it. himself he's living with the person so that he can clearly see their bone structure and who they were to recreate it with clay wow that's amazing yep can you imagine being so enamored with your work like that? This reminds me of Daniel Day-Lewis, who apparently gets into yes. full character yep. when he's in a movie, and yep. he will be that character the whole time. There's There are several like that's that. That's crazy. Yep. And that's this exactly how this guy describes his work. He's the one that did Lincoln, right? Like, mm -hmm. he was Lincoln. So, like, that movie took years to make, yep. apparently, and he was Lincoln. The whole time. Can you imagine yeah. living with... Abraham Lincoln Abe, being Abe for the two whole time. years, yeah. Yep. So, but I get it though. It's like he's he's getting into this mode to try right. to he is. get a he sense of who the person was. The, and the longer he stares at those skull images and can put this person together, the better he can reconstruct who it was and, and identify him. Yeah, that's amazing. What he was able to do after the reconstruction happened was show family members with missing children from the clay reconstructions. And he he did that and was able to identify more victims. So parents recognized their oh. own missing children from those images mm -hmm. that he. Wow, that's that's incredible. Which I think is, I mean, just I feel so bad for those parents to be like, that is my child's face on yeah. a clay structure, but oh, for this sure. is it's got their real, you know. I mean, they recreated the whole thing. He it was the work of Colombia's best forensic artist, Mario. Artentuga also had boys come into his lab so that he can get their measurements and find similarities to help create the clay models of the victims. Because, mm -hmm. yeah, obviously to scale, it's going to be much different between an adult and a sure. child. Sure, to get like a general sense of for that age, what, yep. it, what it would kind of be like. And, okay. he's, and he is paving the way. He literally made his own parameters for the first time with children, which are still used today. There were only parameters for this kind of thing for adults up until this point wow, that's that's incredible actually mario Artentuga. because of him they now have parameters to go by for forensic evidence for children because of this case Gadavito did not count on the citizens and officials of colombia going to these great lengths to find the killer of the street children i really think that he believed these children would be less missed because of their background mm -hmm. and because of the tumultuous times that were happening in colombia 
at, with the Civil War. We've got a little bit of Dorothea Puente going on. Yeah. Preying on those people that she thought would go unnoticed. Right, exactly. Wrong ass wipe. Yeah. They were noticed because everyone matters. Except for they, people that take do. people's lives. And kudos to, you know, even though it took a while, I mean, they, they thank God stuck to catching this person. Yes. Interestingly enough, in 1995, Gata Vito fell and suffered an injury from which he never healed properly. Good. I know. Not sorry. No, not at all. But it left him with a significant limp. So now he's just hobbling his way. Mm-hmm. I, you know, you can see me moving yeah, in my chair like this. I can. Um, but he continued his mass murdering even with a bum oh leg. Oh, gosh. With a, he still was able to do this with a bum leg. Yep. Well, if he was grooming, I'm sure there was grooming. You said. Mm. Oh, yeah. He was he very was charming to the kids. And, yes. Yep. Yeah. All right. In 1996, an open grave of four young boys was found all with signs of mutilation and severe, some even disemboweled <sighs> torture. Oh, my gosh. As well. So what we are seeing are his t- techniques escalating. Yeah, to achieve the le- level of pleasure and satisfaction that he was yeah, seeking. It's at just that getting time. completely out of beyond mm-hmm. words. Yep. I mean, really. Investigators even questioned Gadavito in '96 after a boy named Ronald Delgado was last seen with Gadavito. And then three days later, he was found decapitated with signs of rape and torture. However, Gadavito was able to convince investigators that he had nothing to do with the boy's murder. This is actually something that happens more than once for him throughout his killing years. He was always able to slip through the police's oh. fingers. He was very Must have been charming. charming. He was, mm-hmm. yeah. He's like a Ted Bundy. But the documentation of him being questioned did later help in narrowing down suspects. Oh. So, you might be asking, how did they end up nailing the I beast? I do need to know. Well, one of the men who was largely responsible for his capture was... Eldemar Duran and his team. A huge discovery comes in 97 when a group of children stumbled upon the remains of 30 young boys <gasps> in Pereira. Oh my god! Remember this place? Pereira? This is where locals nicknamed our asshat after the Disney character Goofy mm-hmm. because he was just so good with kids. Yeah. Well, the grave that was, dis- that was discovered had remains in all different states of decomposition. So it indicates to investigators that throughout various times in his travels, whenever he returned to Pereira, because he did have a girlfriend there, he would murder and use the same spot to loot the victim. But all their wounds and ligature was remarkably the same. This piqued the interest of the media and news started to spread, which helped other investigators connect crime scenes. According to a New York Times article, as well as the documentary, in 1998, another grisly discovery is made. The bodies of 14 children were found. All the victims had the same gruesome cuts that were made by razor blades or something similar. They also, in 1998, a small break came when the body of a boy is found with the same marks resembling all the other victims. So, okay, so they're starting to make connections mm-hmm. that all across the yes. world... All, um, the, all across this country. The country, yep. yeah, I'm sorry, not the world. These boys are showing up with the same yes, marks, exactly. the same, same ligatures. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Yep. But this time, in 98, when a body is found, there are ashes surrounding it. There had been a fire, and left at the scene were prescription eyeglasses that were charred on one side, indicating that the wearer would possibly have burn wounds as well okay there was a pair of men's shoes 
a note with an address, money, and a cheap, empty brandy bottle were also recovered. This provided investigators with some remarkable insights. First, the prescription glasses had a prescription for an eye condition that only affects people between the ages of 40 and 45 or 50 and 55. So okay. now they have a general age yep, to go they on. they could narrow it down. So this part, it sounds like he was just getting kind of careless or sloppy with doing this. It's, I mean, he's done it so much. Correct. So, because it sounds like there was substantial evidence There's, left behind with oh, this. Uh, on, uh, in this one, yes. Yeah. After they have found the bodies, I mean, multiple graves. Yeah. With a large amount of children in them. Now, the shoes that they found were significantly more on one shoe to one side, telling them that they were looking for Somebody's someone got a limp. with a limp. Mm-hmm. And the size of the shoe gave them an approximate height that they were looking for. Why the heck did he leave his shoes behind? That is a good question. I am unsure. Other than he possibly was just really inebriated for this right. one. Right. Remember, he's an alcoholic. Or a thrill. I know some people like to leave things behind. Mm-hmm. Who knows? The handwriting on the address that was left behind also provided them with lots of information as it led them to Gattavito's sister, Esther. That's what the address was, where the address was. Okay. His sister, Esther. Now, at this point, I want to share with you some insights from, from Dr. Um, Kahuna, Kahunas that I mentioned earlier. Big Kahunas. I know. That's all I can think. I'm trying not to say I'm it I'm glad like I'm that. not alone because that's what I think of is like, you got the big but Kahunas. But it's like Kahunas. I'm, I am sure I'm butchering it because it's difficult. And I tried to write it in my script phonetically, but I know I'm still not saying it correct. So I'm, I'm sorry, okay. but it is. It sounds... It's Kahunas to us. <laughs> it is. Dr. Kahunas. <laughs> Serial killers often keep notes on their victims and the experience itself, as well as photographs and personal objects in order to relive the experience. Yeah, it's like their trophies and their... It is. We see this uh-huh. all the time. In between, you know, for their cooling off periods, the in-between periods, this is how they relive it and continue to get that thrill in fantasy. So they do it for both masturbatory and enjoyment and mental stimulation. Gattavito was no exception. By 1994, he had collected so many trophies that he could no longer easily cart them with him, so he left bags with his sister, Esther. Oh my gosh. Naturally, Duran asks if Gattavito had left anything with Esther, and she hands over the bags. Because, you know, police just come knocking at her door after Mm -hmm. they find this piece of paper with this address at the scene where the boy was laying with the ashes around him, right? Right. So they're like, hey, did your, you know... Who all lives here? Like, what's going on? He's already on the suspect list because of how much he's been questioned right. before. Did Esther know what was in the bags? No. She okay, never she just never questioned it. She was like, okay, I'll hold your bag. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm not going through my brother's shit. I can tell you that. Yeah. But if my brother kept bringing me bags all the time, I may... A snoop around <laughs> yeah i think they were these were like you know like so they were described oh, as like suitcases. okay so like hold my stuff yeah like i don't and remember he traveled all the time he didn't okay. really have a home yeah okay got so it. you know keep my shit will you she hands them over to the police like whatever they are filled with notes of it on his victims photos from their passport ids photos of himself because he loved to have his picture taken of his large mustachio his dirty stash pictures as dirty it was gag me and information about where he had been. The investigators analyzed each item with painstaking detail, and a few days later, Duran discovered that Gattavito had actually been accused in another court for the murder of a child. 
So we're seeing them start to co- connect Putting the, dots the profile together. here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As one of the documents in the bag of Esther's contained a wire transfer of money to a woman with an address in Pereira. Remember, he had uh-huh. a honey living up in uh-huh. there. And that's where all of the bodies the, were found. A lot of the bodies were found. Yeah, that one grave that had like yeah. 14 kids in it. Yeah. When they tracked down the address down, to their surprise, there was yet another suitcase filled with details mm. of his travels. Now, this one went from 1994 to 97. There was newspapers, notes, photos, bus tickets, and even lotto tickets that children sell to raise money for school. So it sounded like fundraiser type stuff to mm-hmm. me. This detail would come become really important in a minute. So he just kept giving them proof that he was in... The location. For sure. Yep, at the where a bunch of bodies had been found. Mm -hmm. They also discovered the same nylon fibers from the ligatures that were found at all the crime scenes were in these suitcases. There was lubricants, razors, and the same liquor bottle that they always found too. He couldn't I mean he literally packed up all the evidence. Oh yeah. It was handed over to investigators. And I don't know if I'm jumping ahead, but it makes me wonder if at a certain point, because that address was left behind, did he just want to get caught at that point? Well, but he doesn't really live anywhere. Gotcha. You know, he bounces from what he's got women all over the place yeah, that yeah. he visits and they think he's away all the time at work. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that he's really thinking. Just kind of got careless, maybe. Connected. I think that he thinks between the civil war that's going on and how distanced these locations are from one another. Gotcha. That he's not so going to he get caught. Pr- probably was just sloppy. And honestly, he work. was almost not caught. I mean, really, he was he's suspected to have killed over 300 children. Oh, my gosh. So, so horrible. I mean, in my opinion, he really wasn't caught. Like, you're not. It took a long uh-huh. time. Yeah. At this point, they have his name and the belief they believe that he could be their guy. All right. On April 22nd, 1999, in Vivencio, Maria... Sabogal reported her son Ivan Sabogal missing. Prosecutor Fernando Aya took the case and assured her that they would help. She knew that being poor, she would have to convince someone to take her case in care. Mm-hmm. As it happened, Aya had been investigating the murder of the 14 boys on the outskirts of Vivencio for the last six months. The one that I mentioned happened in 1998. Mm-hmm. And Aya knew of Duran's cases as well. Now Ivan's mother reported that he had not come home after being out selling lotto tickets for school. The same lotto tickets I mentioned earlier found in Gadavito's suitcase in Pereira. Yeah. The same day that Ivan was reporting missing, a 911 call was made by an auto store employee who said he had a child at his store claiming that he escaped from a man who was trying to sexually harm him. As it turns out, Gadavito had lured Ivan away and started his typical bullshit on Ivan. Uh-huh. A homeless man passing by witnessed the situation and stopped Gadavito. Good for him. Give that man a house. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Can we get some housing, <laughs> right. please? He deserves it. He saved the boy's life. Yeah. Maria went with the police to the auto store and was reunited with her son. Oh, but one yes, small happy yep. piece. It, there was a but. The but. I mean, yes, he he was saved. He lives, mm-hmm. but it appeared as though Gadavito got away. But wait, there's more. 
Yes. <laughs> but wait, there's more. I feel like an OxyClean commercial. Yes. <laughs> As the police were driving Maria and Ivan back to the police station, Ivan spots his attacker and identifies him to the police. They arrest him, and Gadavito remains calm and gives them a fake name, stating that he's none other than Bonifacio Moraro Lescato. Wow. That's a that's a lot to come up with on a whim. And I definitely didn't roll where I was supposed to roll with my tongue on that you know stuff. What? But it's you get okay. it. It was it's, he's given a fake it. name. Mm-hmm. The reason he does this is because he knows Duran is on his tail and that he is being sought after. Remember, the media started to cover the story after so many bodies were recovered in 98. I was going to ask if it started to get some coverage because there's so many. Yep. I had mentioned that earlier, that it took till there was lots of graves discovered with mass piles of children in them before the media did it. But in 98, they did. As a matter of fact, investigator Duran had become so intensely involved in catching Gadavito that he was given the nickname The Shadow, which I think is totally badass. Oh, yeah. Way to go, Duran. Now Gadavito acts calm and was never aggressive to the police, he did not seem like the massive child serial killer stereotype, which what does a a child serial killer stereotype, aside from a creepy, dirty stash, you always think of like the van. What's he supposed to act like? Right. I think there's those labels of like the guy and the wife beater in the Mm -hmm. van, but that's not how it is. These most people that are, you know, expert groomers. Yeah. I mean, they don't fit a profile. No, they're good at hiding in plain sight. So I'm assuming he was really good with people yeah, in general. He was. So they were, were like, oh, yeah, he's harmless. He was not suspect. Yep. Mm. And actually, Dr. Kakunas explained in the documentary is very typical. Psychopaths know what is supposed to be said and they will say it. But they lack the true feelings and emotion behind it. They will even fake concern for the victim. Mm-hmm. And this is exactly what he does. He starts bawling to the police about he does not understand how anyone could do such horrible things to a child. And he continued to say that he had nothing to do with the attempted sexual assault on Ivan Sabogal. However, Aya is not convinced and made note that Bonifacio's, I don't even know, (laughs) this dude's signatures were very different on each document that Mm -hmm. he had to sign when they were booking him. They took note of his limp, his height eyeglasses, and even the burns down the left side of his body. Oh, wouldn't you know it? He had burns. Yep, the same side as the glasses that were found from the 98 crime scene. The 1998 crime scene. Mm -hmm. So at this point, Aya called a summit meeting for all investigators working on the Beast case. And this is when Aya brought photos of Bonifacio and showed them to the Shadow, a.k.a. Duran, and they were flipping speechless because remember duran uncovered all those handy selfies that got had yes, collected on yes. himself over the years in the suitcases he loved to take pictures of himself so now they know they have their child killer Aww. he just gave the wrong you know a fake name when he was booked now all they have to do is use all the evidence to connect him to each crime scene and i love how they go about collecting some of this information First, they want to connect those prescription lenses because mm-hmm. they're very specific. Yes. So what they do is they administered an eye test to Gadavito when he was incarcerated. But to stop him from being suspicious and lying on the test, they administered the same test to all the prisoners so that it looked like a routine oh, thing. Like, oh, this is your standard. Yep. Good, good thinking. This is the state doing their eye exam. Yep. yep. 
While he was getting the eye exam, hair DNA was collected from his cell pillow and sent into the lab to compare to DNA find, found at the crime scene. Now, well played. With, mm-hmm, with all the evidence in place, they decide to interrogate Gattavito because, really, a confession is best and they don't want this guy getting off. Mm-hmm. Although the interrogation, during the interrogation, he adamantly denied all the accusations, even with alligator tears in his eyes, and claimed that all the evidence was a grave error of the Colombian police. They ended up questioning him for up to nine hours without shaking his demeanor once. At this point, the police are frustrated that they can't get him to to just say it. Like, they've got all this evidence matching him. They know it's him. Mm -hmm. So they bring in the big guns. You guessed it, the shadow, Duran. Because he's scared of Duran. Duran's been on his ass for yeah, a while. Yeah. Who better to break this guy down than the very man who's been following him and living to take him down for a long time? I'm picturing like him walking in in a trench coat, like I know, top you know, I feel like he's got to be big and burly. I saw a picture Throws of him. Throws the trench coat off and it's like not what you're picturing, oh, but okay. It, it's fun to. I'll pretend. have my moment. <laughs> he's got a good, solid name too, so it just seems like it. But he's clearly very good at his job. Yeah. Duran showed him photos of the crime scenes, told him the gruesome details of the victim's injuries, and this does it. He cried out for Duran to stop. Then, with cold de- detachment, Gattavito told of his victims, his weapons, the whole shebang. Oh wow! He claimed he did confess. Yeah, but he claimed he was possessed by a spirit. Oh, here we go. Yeah. Although psychologists would later diagnose him with an antisocial disorder, he was not found to be insane. It is widely believed that his childhood experiences shaped who he became. He chose victims that were victims that were friendless and homeless as he was, and he assumed the role of the aggressor like his father had. Mm-hmm. He got a great sense of pleasure from being the one to do the torture instead of the one receiving it Mm -hmm. for once. Dr. Kakunas also points out that there is no cure for pedophilia and sexual sadism. A person cannot rewire their brain to go through treatment to be cured. Many serial killers have reported that the fantasies continue even while incarcerated, and it is an obsessive daily Because Gattavito cooperated with authorities and brought them to locations where even more bodies were found, a total of 140 bodies were recovered. Experts believe there are likely more, and as they continue to investigate the number, it's more likely closer to 300. Wow, it's just so unbelievable. So sad. Well, it's, it's about to get worse. Oh, dear Lord, I can't take anymore. He was sentenced to 1,853 years and nine days. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have questions. I don't. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> in prison. The lengthiest sentence in Colombian history. However. Oh, no. Colombian laws limit imprisonment to 40 years. <gasps> don't tell me. Don't you tell me he got out. And because he helped police find the victim's body, his sentence was further reduced to 22 years. Yeah. I, I, I have no, I can't, I can't. He is currently serving. I'm like cowering away from you like you're going to flip this table over and I walk away from this podcast this forever. <laughs> no, I just can't. I can't. You, you well, can kill that many people, the innocent yeah. children and get away in Colombia. He got nothing. He is currently serving his sentence in a maximum security prison in 
Bella Dupar in the department of El Cesar in Colombia. He is held separately from all other prisoners because it is feared that he would be killed immediately, which mm-hmm. he likely would. Yeah. yeah. Please, someone let a prisoner slip Could into Could you let cell. the gate open? Oh my gosh. Anyway, because he cooperated so fully with police, issued a public apology, and has been a model prisoner, it's likely that he will walk the streets of Colombia again. At the time of his... Because he issued an apology? Yes. yes. Yeah. Can you see the fire burn, like bad. in my soul right now? Can you see I, it? I don't even know why that's considered a part of anything. Like, oh, you're sorry. Oh, okay. We'll take the nine days off. Like, what the <laughs> heck? Fine. It's just 1,837 yeah. years, you're not the like nine you're days. Sorry. I right. I got nothing You've for repented. This. Oh, my gosh. At the time of his sentencing, a max sentence was 40 years for crimes like this, with a reduction of up to 22 years for good behavior and cooperation with police. But since Colombian laws have changed, a max sentence for crimes involving children is now 60 years. But this could mean that with the with his reduction of 22 years, he could get out this year, you guys. I can't believe that. Even Big Kahuna's saying yes, that there's no, there's no rehabilitation. For this. Yes, you can't rehabilitate from this. Now, he was denied early parole in 2011, and he could be extradited to Ecuador for some murders he has admitted to there and possibly serve another 20 to 40 years there. Either way, I do not think that letting him out would be a good thing. I don't He's, know how anyone with a actual brain well, in their head would think it would be reasonable to let this man out ever. He's protected in prison. The citizens of Colombia are not likely to want the likes of him roaming their streets. I wouldn't think so. And his release will be publicized. Let the town have it. Oh, ex- I'm sorry. I mean, give him to the townspeople. <laughs> These get, get me exactly. really fired up. Probably become another casualty of the streets. Let's cross our fingers. Oh, Come on. I mean, that many murders. I mean, 300 you were literally children. just putting the community in danger. Like, 200% guaranteed yes. to let someone out yep. that has this type of pattern. And the brutal mutilation and murder it's of horrific. these children. It is grotesque. It is depraved to the yes. maximum degree that a person can de- be depraved. Like there's, I mean, there's no speculation that he would do this again. It is a if he gets out, he will, he will. do it again. Absolutely. There are professionals on the record telling people this yes yep i can't i got nothing now, you got me speechless i know Tell something that i want happen. to note throughout the investigation is that columbia actually adapted many many different investigation techniques from all over the world to bring this guy down which i think is really yeah, amazing yes that is something good that came out of this case yes because especially given what's going on you know the civil war that's going on over there and there are harsh political turmoil Mm -hmm. one wouldn't think that all of this would happen but they reached out and they you can kind of look at at the sources that i used they're in the show notes but there's some fascinating information about how they reached out to different countries and adapted their serial killer profiling techniques to bring him down which is awesome yeah that is that's wonderful kid cases are super hard for us it is important to tell their story and to bring awareness especially since this guy could potentially get released this year Mm If he's not extradited to Ecuador. And hopefully enough media attention would stop that from happening. But I don't know. I will be there um, at the protest. 
Like, this cannot happen. Amber's going to have a picket. Oh, for sure. Yeah, so I hope that I, I hope I gave enough information to do the victim story justice, but without being too gruesome because Mm -hmm. it's, it's things that happen to children. Just enough to let you know what a sick, horrible human being this man is and why he shouldn't roam the earth anymore. Well, also, I'm sorry, that was certain that he could get out. I basically just said I wish he was dead, but I meant why he shouldn't roam the streets anymore. You said what you said. It's okay. Freudian slip. (laughs) Sorry. Not sorry. Okay, let's move on to a brain bath because Cle- I just cleanse feel like... me, my child, please. <laughs> Come to me, my child. Cleanse me, my child. This story comes to us from clumsycrooks.com, which mm. is kind of an interesting. I might check it out later. Yeah, a little website. This one just kind of blew me away. Like, why? <laughs> why? Just why? Why? So, in St. Petersburg, Florida, there's a city ordinance that requires that restaurants do not freely distribute straws. You have to ask for one. They don't just give you one. Asked, not given. Yes, because they're harmful in the oceans and the environment. So they're less readily available. Mm -hmm. Simple enough, right? Sure, yeah. You just ask. Ask for a straw. This is apparently way too much for 40-year-old Daniel Taylor. When he found out that he had to request a straw... He decided it was in his best interest to assault a female McDonald's employee. As you can imagine, oh, it did not gosh. work out so well. Um, the fight was filmed. It was turned into a viral video and viewed over 4 million times online, and Taylor was arrested. This, the article this says, poor worker. Oh, for sure, and you should see it. Like He grabs her. All over having to ask for a straw. Grabbed her by her apron. You know, like how they wear those aprons. Uh The front of the apron pulls her across the counter. But this woman goes at his arms like, bam, bam, bam. And then there's another employee there that, like, at first, I mean, he really is like, I'm going to break it up. Then he's kind of like, she kind of got this. (laughs) She is. And she's my size, right? And she's taking down this 40-year-old balding man. Good for Um, her. But he does the, it it gets to the point where her employee, or her co-worker, excuse me, pulls her off of him. (laughs) Which, hell yeah. You're Don't mess with a McDonald's employee. For sure. And you're assaulting me over a straw. I'm going to show you. Oh. Yes. how it is sir <laughs> yep i love it yeah oh me too you know so you can get on to clumsycrooks.com and see this video i am gonna have to i will check I'll, this out i have it right here i'll actually show it to you but i can say as a former fast food worker myself um, back in the day <laughs> i'm showing her the video right now i isn't she going to she, town on i him? would not want to mess with her hell no you want a straw i'll give you a I'll straw i'll give you a straw <laughs> oh you want it gosh. right up your ass because i'm pretty she, sure she's trying to pull she him over won. like she won. Oh, yeah. She took him down. Wow. I love it. Yeah. That's really why I wanted to tell the story, because I just, if you watch the video, you can see what a badass she is. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, not today, Satan. And rightfully so. Yep. People get so mad about their food. I, I oh, had so many instances. And never over straw, but like a wrong order, a wrong, you know, and people that work in fast food, I give them credit. They work hard. It is a stressful job. It is. And fast paced. And it's, there's room for error and Mm -hmm. people treat you like you're stupid and you don't know what you're doing and they get so mad over food. Yes. So I support her. Oh, me too. Me too. So go watch that video. She was defending herself. Absolutely. He, so, you can clearly see in the beginning, he he's grabs grabbing her. right a hold of her, yanks her to the counter, and she was just like, oh, hell no. <laughs> Not today. Not today. Yeah. Wow. So there it is. All right. Well, if you guys want to follow us on our socials, we have Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We have a website. You can see us there on the website. You can send case suggestions to Crime Curious 
at yahoo.com. We will cover them if you send them to us. We would love it if you'd give us good ratings and reviews mm-hmm. just because that helps more people find us. So in the meantime, we hope that you keep it curious and that you keep listening. And till next time. Bye, guys. Bye.